Hello there and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we are in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. Today, we're going to talk about aliens, because why not, right? Um, it should be fun. And uh, this is, go- I'm honestly going to have a bit of fun with this. Uh, I'm going to reference Stargate, Doctor Who, um, if you remember Sliders uh, from the 90s, maybe a bit of Star Trek, although I never got into them very much. And um, the great thing about science fiction is that uh, it's, there's always a serious component to science fiction. It, uh, it's different than fantasy, which is just plain old, you know, make it up as you go along. Although there's rules to fantasy as well, I shouldn't say that so cavalierly. But science fiction usually is, you know, expressly um, there as a political critique and often using the latest, you know, cutting-edge ideas from science and kind of being like, well, what about? What if this is true? And, and how, how far could we push this? And, and maybe in the future we'll be able to do this and that. And so because it's a somewhat a semi-serious genre, um, I found that it has a lot of good parallels with Christianity and um, illustrating some really important concepts. And because it talks about aliens a lot, um, I find there's a really interesting parallel between aliens and God. Because basically, um, if science ever found God, they would call him an alien. Uh, if, if we ever dis- discovered a telescope that somehow you know, warped space and time to where we, got, we could see outside of the space-time continuum or, or the universe and see into heaven or see into hell... Um, we would, you know, and we could somehow perceive, you know, see God's face or see, you know, something out of heaven. We would say, well, that's an alien realm. That's an alien being. Um, because that's the only category that we could put that in. Um, if we could in some way, you know, point out the, the results of, of God, um, like his, his footprints or his fingerprints, um, like literally... Um, specifically in a, in a way that this has to be um, this has to be an intelligent being that did this I mean other than the universe uh, we would say well that's that's an alien that did that and uh, there's actually a lot of really intelligent people these days that believe in aliens like if this this isn't just a um, just just quacks and cranks that believe in aliens there's, there's serious scientists that are putting a lot of money into shining beacons into space and, and sending out you know, um, uh, what are they called? Um, little spaceships that have, you know, stuff in them to try and, and, and send information to an alien race if they're out there. Um, and a lot of people think that, uh, because there's such, although, you know, the earth is several billion years old, I think it's three billion years old, they say, um, that's not really enough time for everything that has taken place, uh, for biological life to have evolved naturally. Um, there's some people that say there wasn't enough time. And so the theory is perhaps alien life started somewhere else or like biological life started somewhere else in the universe. And this life was seeded um, onto this planet. So somebody dropped in a few cells and these cells turned into, you know, natural selection and, and things like this because that hurdle from sand to living organism is a pretty big jump that science hasn't yet been able to artificially, you know, 
jump over. And so how did this happen nat- naturally? And, and one theory is that it's aliens. And I, you know, Christians look at that and say, well, yeah, exactly. It is an alien. The alien's name is God, Yahweh, uh, Jesus, the Trinity. Um, so if science found God, they would call him an alien. And actually, um, and if they found, his, you know, the traces of him, uh, they would say this is, you know, these are traces of an alien. And actually, um, the biblical word holy, which is, is the one that is most usually attributed to God, um, you know, when, uh, was it Isaiah um, had a vision of God or was, was in heaven bodily either way, and, and he saw God, and the angels around his throne were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This word holy simply means set apart, different. Uh, when you take the word holy and hold that on one side, and you have the word alien, what does alien mean? It means, like, if, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian, so if an American comes up here, I mean, technically speaking, he's an alien in my country. He, he's not from here. He doesn't belong here. American woman. No, just kidding. Um, so it's, um, there's, you know, it's different. It's alien. That's what the word alien means. And that's actually what the word holy means. Now, holy has a moral component attached to it. And this is something we're going to kind of dance with throughout this because aliens don't necessarily, the, the concept of alien um, the word alien doesn't have a moral component attached to it, whereas holy and God has a moral component attached to it. So that's something we're just going to kind of keep on dancing with here. Um, but uh, it's, it's really interesting to me, the, the similarity between these two. Um, is it possible that, um, that this concept can be mined uh, for, for further insight into God? So let's look at our first... Um, parallel. Uh, Stargate uh, SG-1. I didn't get into the Stargate Atlantis thing. It kind of was like aimed at a generation younger than me. But I really liked Stargate uh, and I I watched the whole thing, all 10 seasons. It was only really good until season 6 when uh, um, MacGyver uh, bowed out and uh, did other things and I was like, oh, well, he was kind of the star of the show. But um, if you haven't watched Stargate, it's kind of like Star Trek, only instead of a big fancy spaceship, um, they discover these ancient portals, and when they step through these portals, they go to other planets, and it's kind of like a combination lock. You like turn the outside, and then it's, it propels you through space to you know across the other side of the universe, and you pop out, and, and they encounter all these alien civilizations from all over, and it's, it's really interesting. And the first civilizations that they meet are... Um, the gods that were worshipped by uh, the ancient Egyptians. And they actually, as soon as they find them, it's like this huge battle and, and it's pretty doubtful that humanity will survive because um, these aliens, the Gould, um, you know, were posing as gods, but they were basically just aliens. And um, anyways, it, you can watch it. It's, it's kind of a fun little sci- science fiction show. Um, if you watch it, by the way, the pilot episode... Um, has this really terrible scene in it, just this extended like three minutes of, of nudity that is totally inappropriate and not necessary. So just keep, I, don't, I, I recommend it, like it's a good thing, but just, it's a good show, except for the pilot, and it's just like, seriously guys, what's with this? Um, so when the lady gets a little ghouled in her head, then just watch out a little bit later, bad things will happen. Um, so uh, where was I before that? 
What's interesting about this show is that um, there's four main characters in SG-1. There's Captain O'Neill. Uh, there is... Okay, well, there's the MacGyver guy. I'm kind of forgetting their names now. Um, and then there's a lady that uh, is an expert in everything. Like, she's super smart. She's a good fighter. And she's... But her basic specialty is in computers. And then they, they recruit this uh, black, big black guy, which is, like, so... Um, I'm not sure that's politically correct or not, but anyways, he's like from an alien race, and he's their expert on alien technology, and he's also a really good fighter. And the last guy is Daniel, and he is an expert in um, hieroglyphics in all ancient languages. Um, And he actually becomes... um, I said, you know, uh, that the MacGyver guy, um, Captain O'Neill, is the star of the the show, but in a way... Uh, Daniel is um, the one who finds most of the answers. It's kind of like in Star Trek, uh, Data, you know, or, or I mean um, Spock, kind of had all the answers. Um, Daniel kind of often has the answers because he can read the ancient languages, he understood the ancient cultures, and he's able to mine them for this information, and they'll often find an artifact and it has these hieroglyphics on it, and he's like, oh, this says this and this, and oh, this is like Thor's hammer, and what, what is Thor's hammer? Well, that's a warship, or that's a, an ancient weapon that's capable of destroying the world. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of running around the universe, and, and Daniel is reading stuff, and he's figuring out things, because he's able to understand the ancient cultures, but more than just understanding, you know, the basic language, he's able to understand these ancient cultures were in communication with a superior alien intelligence. And that superior alien intelligence communicated things in their language, um, using their culture, but to communicate things far more important and far more um, transcendent than just, you know, please pass the butter or whatever they would have been saying in their normal in their language normally. And so, and he's able even able to see, you know, through um, the their myths about well, you know the. Gilgamesh, you know, walked this path through, you know, um, to to find the the source of everlasting life or whatever. Like I think I'm messing up the Gilgamesh epic, but um, so that would actually be a real place, and there might actually be a fountain of youth that that you know is some sort of an alien healing technology that they're going to go find. So I think you can see where I'm going with this already. Is that um, in a similar way, I as, a, as an evangelical Christian believe that God is real. Uh, believe that he exists, believe that he has he is a super intelligent being um, that actually you know created everything uh, and so he 's outside of space and time, but he connects with and and communicates with our culture and and our species and the what we have in the Bible is like this huge collection of like like it 's like this relic of the times and the places and and recordings of of when this this alien being showed up and talked to people and and you know it was written down it was recorded and we can see not only what what was said what happened but we can kind of decode that and we can look beyond that and deeper than that to understanding this you know the spiritual truth or the 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 truth behind everything of a reality that's bigger um and and truths that are um transcendent um, for, you know, the moral component, the spiritual component, the meaning of life and things like that, but also for understanding 
more about ourselves, more about how the universe came into being. Um, and, you know, a lot of things just helping us make good laws, um, understanding how to, how to behave well in, you know, um, like I just recorded a podcast on uh, the civil or the ceremonial laws in the Old Testament. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet, something about the gross stuff in the Old Testament. But, you know, the, when, when Yahweh communicated with the ancient Israelites, he laid out a system of cleanliness and of avoiding all carrion eaters, all shellfish, um, un- unclean foods, getting mold out of your house, um, quarantining people that are sick, that have communicable diseases. Um, and within a few, you know, fairly short chapters, he was, he, an ancient Jew would have lived very similarly to a modern person when it comes to hygiene and, um, and germ theory. He didn't communicate germ theory, but he communicated how to live in a way that makes sense. Now that we know germ theory, we know that so much of the Old Testament actually makes sense. And when you look at it from that perspective, um, it, it really is evident to me that there was something um, pretty remarkable going on when uh, the Old Testament was written down. Because there's no, there's no way, except maybe through trial and error, that people could have known... Um, for example, don't eat pig because, you know, pigs are omnivores and they're going to likely pick up germs and things like that. Don't eat dogs for the same reason. Uh, shellfish, filter feeders, they're going to be picking up the heavy metals. They're going to, you know, communicate cholera and other things. So anyways, you can go back and listen to that podcast if you want. Uh, but I think that the laws of the Old Testament have a lot of, oh, and just wash your hands and, and basic cleanliness and how important that is. And all the way up through even the Industrial Revolution and all the way up to Louis Pasteur, uh, Louis Pasteur, um, we didn't know that. We didn't, doctors didn't wash their hands when they were in surgery, and people died all the time. Um, and uh, if we had read the Old Testament a little bit more carefully, then we would have, we would have done that because, you know, the, the secrets were there. Um, and and this, the superintelligence has communicated it to us. All right, so illustration number two, Doctor Who. Yay, Doctor Who. Everybody likes Doctor Who. Um, so Doctor Who, you know, he's got this magic telephone booth that, that goes back and forth in time. And, um, and you know, he has these adventures with their alien races and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he, he wins these battles. And all he has is a sonic screwdriver that basically controls any technology or undoes screws if he wants it to. Um... What I find interesting about Doctor Who is that because he goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in time, it really gives him this godlike power. Um, you know, if there's somebody he doesn't like, he could hypothetically go back in time and alter events so that this person is never born. And in, in modifying one thing here, one thing there, that will change things down the road. Um, and, but if he knows that that's going to change things down the road, um, that's going to create a paradox for him that, well, if I change this and that will happen, well, then I'll know that's going to happen. So then that, I can't do that. And uh, so it kind of messes with you, right? Um, which is, you know, what's fun about Doctor Who, you, you watch it and you're like, oh, that's so confusing and cool. And it just kind of distracts you about, you know, your own boring life. Um, but there was a scene where he, he sees his own, um, grave site where he's actually going to die, uh, or where he's going to be buried. 
and above this is is this um, how would you describe that like kind of a spider web kind of like a um, like lights trailing uh, in, in kind of a spider web uh, formation but kind of like a cone or not a cone but like a cocoon sort of a shape and it was explained that this was his life this was all of his tears through his through time and space he went back and forth and back and forth and all these threads are him going back and forth and, and here and there and everywhere and so you know he can see that and he's standing outside of time and he's looking at this which you know is his life this is time and that at least gives a picture of what it must be like for God that God is outside of time and this is what what Christians have believed for, for centuries, maybe not all Christians, um, but uh, most Christians would say, and yeah, I think most Christians would say this, because in the Nicene Creed, it says that um, God the Father begat God the Son before all worlds, um, outside of time. So there is a sense in which God the Father begets God the Son. God the Son is dependent on God the Father. But there's no, that doesn't happen in time. That's an eternal begetting. That's, that's in a timeless state, uh, God the Father begets God the Son. And that's very, very important because otherwise God the Son is not the same essence as God the Father, uh, as was discussed like in the first couple of centuries of, of uh, Christianity. So all Christians in some way would say, well, God is outside of time looking down on time. And if you mess with something over here, well, that's going to affect something over here. And if you mess with something over here, that's going to affect something over here. And so just like Doctor Who, you know, who, who has a grasp of history and knows when things happen, and yet he goes in and he messes with stuff and he changes stuff, um, and then he steps back out of it, and I guess when he's in his time, in his phone booth, phone booth then he's outside of time. Um... That's similar to how God is outside of time and is able to mess with time. Um, and yet, at the same time, he knows, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what he's going to do. He's predestined everything. He has um, uh, complete control. Complete control. Even though people are free and have free will, he has absolute con complete control. And if you want to um, go deeper on that topic... I have a five-podcast series on Calvinism and the one on middle knowledge. Um, if you have Doctor Who in your mind and what I just said about that, the one on middle knowledge will make a lot of sense to be really interesting. Um, what is interesting about Doctor Who is that increasingly as the seasons go on, and I just got, and Netflix ended with, there was something really dark going to happen that the next Doctor Who was going to be the dark Doctor Who. And increasingly, it's like he couldn't handle the moral guilt of, or the moral obligation and responsibility that came with the job. Um, it's like, you know, being the Doctor Who of this universe, it, it was above his pay grade, or it was like there, there was a, such an incredible price to pay. I mean, he, he could literally decide whether or not a civilization should, like all the millions of people in a civilization, should live or die. And he made that decision many times. Um, and, you know, he bore the weight of that. And he was just an average guy like you or me. And he was kind of like, well, who am I to decide, you know? But at the same time, he has to decide because, you know, one alien race is like eating another alien race and he has to make a judgment call. Um, and so that's, again, where the moral component comes in, where God 
you know, because he is just and he is holy in the sense that he is morally superior, he, his shoulders are broad enough to carry the weight of that, whereas Doctor Who was kind of crumpling under the weight of, of all the moral responsibility he was trying to carry. Okay, next illustration is from Men in Black, and I bet you lots of people watched that um, whenever that came out, around the turn of the, turn of the millennium. Um, fun little show where uh, aliens come to Earth and we find out that aliens have been here all along and they're hiding and they're living among us and stuff like this. And, and they're chasing down this universe and, and the whole universe is contained in this little marble that for most of the show is around this little cat's neck and then the cat gets eaten by a bug and, the, and then they're running around just with this little marble. And inside this marble is an entire universe, um, you know, like with, with uh, galaxies and, and suns and planets and stars just like ours. Um, and uh, the aliens keep saying, you don't understand, size doesn't matter, size doesn't matter. What matters is, like this, there's more power in here than in our entire galaxy. Um, and, and so then it all resolves and, and the, the, plan, the, the marble goes back where it should go and things like that. And then right at the end of the show, um, you're looking at, at, at them, and then it zooms up in the sky, and it does that thing where it, like, zooms out, and then you see, like, all of the United States, and then you see the whole world, and then you see the, the, the solar system, and then you see the, the Milky Way, and keep zooming, 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 until, bloop, and you're outside of the universe, and it's just this little marble. And these alien sort of fingers pick it up, and they drop it somewhere else, and there, there's, like, zillions of these little marbles, and they're just, like... There, it's like these two beings are like playing some sort of an alien game with these these marbles that they're rolling around that are galaxy or like universes with us in it. Um, all that to say, in part just to bring Men in Black in there because it was kind of fun show, um, but in part because um, modern science since Einstein has proven that the universe had a beginning, that it came to exist. Um, or it came into being not only all uh, energy, but also all matter, all space, and all time. Now, I can understand, you know, it's enough of a, a weird one that matter came into being. There was nothing, and all of a sudden matter came into being. Boom. Um, that doesn't happen normally. In fact, one of the laws of thermodynamics is that matter can be neither created nor destroyed, but changes in uh, entropy. But matter came into being. Space came into being. And space is a thing. Um, it's, it's not just out there. There isn't just infinite space. Space is a thing that didn't exist and then it existed. And time wasn't a thing. And, and you can't even really talk about the Big Bang without like... The, there, like we have past, present, and future, right? And before the Big Bang, there was no past. Uh, it just... It began, and that's when time began. Um, and, and time compresses and expands depending on weight and gravity and, and speed of light and things like that. I, I mean, I can say those words. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But what that points to is at some point, uh, the universe began to exist. Therefore, uh, there must be something outside of the universe that, that started it. Um, because things don't just pop into being uncaused out of nothing. Um, hamburgers don't just boop, pop into my hand. Moose don't just bloop, pop and appear in my living room. Things don't just appear uncaused out of nothing. There's something that causes them or else um, 
things are either caused or uncaused. And caused things have uh, come into being because something caused them. Uncaused things are eternal, and they never change in state. Um, but since the universe uh, came into being, clearly it was caused by something. And scientists um, have come up with a lot of theories, and one of them is bubble theory, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but for the time being, it seems fairly obvious to me and to an awful lot of people that um, it must have been God that started, or somebody like God, that started the universe because it had to be somebody outside of the universe. Who, can, who or what can be outside of, can exist without space, without time, without matter, without energy? Um, the only thing that I can think of and that you know, most people can think of is either numbers and like concepts like that. Like the number three can exist whether there's a universe or not. Or some sort of a disembodied spiritual mind. And a mind, it seems like a mind could exist um, without a universe uh, for it to be in if we're talking about God and, and God is spirit and, and a spiritual mind. And um, the universe was started not only with a tremendous amount of power, but a lot of intelligence. And uh, the, the initial conditions of the universe were fine-tuned uh, to an incredible and extraordinary um, degree. Um, and this, is, this will be a future podcast. I'm sure we'll talk about the fine-tuning of the universe. Um, but it's not true that... Um, it's not true that... Atheists will say a, that a good counter-argument to uh, the fine-tuning of the universe is uh, a puddle. And, and the water in a puddle could say, look at this hole, it's so finely tuned for me. It fits me just right. Well, obviously, the water made the hole, so it, it's not surprising. Or if the, the hole was different, then the puddle would be different and would say, well, now this hole fits me perfectly. The Big Bang is a lot like hitting a home run where the ball comes at the right speed, the bat swings at the right speed, all the muscles are firing at the right time, the eyes are seeing it, and poof, and it, and it hits, and not only does it go over the fence, but we'll just say that it goes into a hole about two feet diameter, and, and maybe this is you know the big Vabino that's able to do this, um, and, and he hits it right into, like uh, somebody's holding up a, a tire or something, from a car and it goes right in, or a garbage pail, we'll say, and it goes right into the garbage pail. Now, would you say, well, that was just coincidence? I mean, it had to go somewhere, la la la. Well, if there's something that unlikely and, and there's only one way that that could happen, uh, I mean, the, the universe, if, if the initial conditions had been just slightly different, it would have either blown up, it would have either kept on going at such a rate that stars would not have started, or else it would have re-collapsed. Um, and just kind of made one big mega burning ball or something like that, as far as I understand. Um, so we've kind of moved far away from Men in Black, but uh, I think what the Big Bang proves is that there, there, there's almost got to be something outside of this little marble of the universe, and um, whether that's God or bubble theory or else aliens of some sort, um, it seems like there's something outside there. So a lot of people will explain the Big Bang with bubble theory. And string theory was a thing, um, but before I really understood it, it kind of fell out of, of popularity. I don't hear much about it anymore. And now it seems like people are talking a lot about bubble theory. And bubble theory is that 
our universe, the little marble of our universe, is floating around in an infinite vat of other bubbles of other universes. And um, all of these universes are... Well, there's different theories about how how the universes are generated. Some some people say, and this is, I don't think, very scientific, and I think it's very science, fi- science fictionist. It's kind of like science fiction. Uh, but, you know, serious scientists believe this, that every time you make a free will decision, bloop, another galaxy is formed. Um, and, and so that's where... Um, uh, there can be parallel universes hypothetically where you did marry the girl. There can be a parallel universe where, you know, your dad is an astronaut. There, you know, and and this you know gives gives plenty of ammunition to science fiction writers to come up with all sorts of crazy science fiction shows, such as Slider, uh, Sliders, uh, which is the next example on my list here. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys used to watch that back in the '90s. I think when it came out. I was too young to watch it, but I watched it now and then, and I thought it was so cool. Um, Sliders is a, a show where this scientist kid, kind of genius kid, figures out how to make a device that slides him between galaxies. And so he, I think he sends something over between a galaxy first and comes back. And then uh, him and his girlfriend and his professor that he's angry with and and his best friend all end up sliding through um, to the parallel universe but they can't find their way home and there's like an infinity of universes and so they keep sliding 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 Uh, and every time they slide that you know there's interesting stuff going on and in this one you know the one oh there was a musician in there too there was a a soul musician like a black guy Um, and so in one parallel universe he was actually popular in another universe uh the one the the genius kid had like created a plague to wipe out the whole population of the earth and another anyway so all these parallel universes again what what we can mine from this and and doctor who and stargate and uh pretty much any science fiction show today will talk about parallel universes just because bubble theory is out there and if you're writing a science fiction show, I mean, why not? Like that, how can you pass that up? Um, I should say, there's a lot of people that wouldn't say it's it's the human will that that divides and splits off a new universe. That's kind of um, gives an awful lot of of power to humans, and it seems kind of arbitrary. And also, on the atheist perspective, human will doesn't really exist because our our um, decisions are basically just the mechanical firing of our brains. Um, just as an animal is basically just a biological machine that just does things that his instincts tell him to do. Uh, on atheism, we're basically just really complex um, biological machines. So free will doesn't really exist. So it's a strange place to to um, to to seat the the creative agency of new galaxies and universes. Um, but but the belief is out there that there's many many different universes out there and uh, so I talked about the fine-tuning of the initial conditions of the universe Um, there's an infinite number of universes out there so in one of them they had to get it right even if it is you know improbable to the factor of whatever uh, in one of them they got it right so be that as it may um, this idea of shifting between one universe to another and how you know you can have universes that are pressing up against each other but 
if um, and if we just had the technology to do it, we could see through to the other universe. Um, there must be another science fiction I could think of that where where you could see the other dimension. Um, if you had like a sixth sense or a seventh sense, you might even be able to see that you know the the other dimension in the other dimension. Um, these people are already here or there's other beings that are already here on our planet. They're just living at a different frequency or a different dimension. Um, this, to me, again, points to God because, scripturally speaking, we believe that angels exist, that God exists, that demons exist, that heaven exists, that hell exists, not in a, a literal place. Uh, and maybe, maybe some of the ancient Israelites believed that heaven was a, a literal place up in the sky, that hell was a literal place down in the earth. But most Christians would say, well, it's some sort of a spiritual dimension. Um, and yeah, you, maybe, you know, we kind of look up to think about heaven, we kind of look down to think about hell. But that's not literally physically where they're located. It's a, it's a spiritual dimension that you go to when you die. And, um, and it's, it's attached to, to this world and, and to this universe because we know that God will create a new heavens and a new earth that at some point he created the heavens and the earth, and that at some point he will recreate the heavens and the earth. Um, and so it's attached, it's, it's a created realm, uh, but it's, it's on a different wavelength, it's a different, different space-time frequency. Um, John 3 talks about um, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Again, highlighting the fact that um, it doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter the physical location where you are when you're worshiping God because God can see you. God is, is here. And Christians believe that God's spirit is everywhere in the earth. Also that, that angels and demons are, are here, like sitting right here with me as I'm recording this podcast. Uh, there's probably angels and demons out here with me. And I hope you don't find that that's too weird or kooky. Um, but that's what we believe, that there's another dimension where things are happening and that affects us. Um, and if we have, if we're tuned in, if we have our sixth sense, you know, kind of, uh, on alert, we can sometimes feel the presence of God. We can sometimes feel and, and we get kind of, um, uh, um, I can just think of the expression in French and I can't think, uh, it, like the hair stands up on the back of our head. Uh, goosebumps. We get goosebumps, you know, when we feel like something evil is is in this place, or or um, or has been evoked by something that was said, or something like that. So there's this consciousness of another reality. And again, for the scientific informed person, um, often we say, well, we don't believe in in spiritual stuff because that's not scientific. Well, what if the spiritual reality is just another parallel universe that's pressed up against ours and you know you can't see it with your literal eyes with your five senses but with your sixth sense and you know when you, when you say the sixth sense everybody knows what that is that's the ability to perceive the spiritual and the supernatural world and some people have a, a, a heightened sixth sense and some people have less of a sixth sense but most of us at some point in our lives have experienced or felt or or even seen something that couldn't be explained. Um, is it possible that there's um, more out there than meets the eye? Finally, let's talk about aliens. Um, and here you can just pick any movie, um, any science fiction movie. 
Uh, obviously, you could watch, you could pick Alien, uh, the movie, but I haven't actually watched it, so I don't know if it's a good one or not. Um, what about alien visitations? What about aliens that actually, you know, in, in the movies come and, and abduct people and and uh, and talk to people and, and physically manifest? And um, you know, there's Roswell and there's other sightings and and there's um, there's people that appear to be sane and normal and 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 well-functioning, well-adjusted adults that say they've they've seen aliens and they've seen things. Um, They've been abducted by aliens and things like this. I was listening to a Christian radio show, which is where... I'm sorry that I have... A lot of things I I hear at one time, and I don't know the footnote. I don't know who said it. Um, But to me, it it answers the question, and so I remember it. Um, And on this Christian radio show, they were saying, well, you know, so-and-so did a lot of research on aliens. And I forget who this was. I really do. And they said, um, in most of the cases where people claim that they saw aliens, uh, this person did serious serious research and interviews into it, and they said, it's very rare that they see a spaceship kind of whoa, 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 come flying out of the sky or something like that. Usually what happens is the aliens open up a door or a portal to another dimension, and they see kind of like a circle of light, and out of that, you know, these beings come out and and talk to them or, or do whatever they do. Um, and so the takeaway that this Christian person had was to say, is it possible that these aliens aren't really aliens? They're either angels or demons from, you know, the spiritual dimension that are manifesting in some way. Um, and to me, that, that seems likely possible. Um, that seems compatible with what we read in scriptures, that there are aliens, I mean, that there are angels and demons and that they do interact with humanity. They do at times manifest themselves, and that's why we need to have, um, well, we need to have scriptures so that we know what's going on, um, and we never listen to that stuff, ever. I think that's pretty much the the story of the Bible is, or the takeaway from the Bible is that if an angel shows up, he's going to worship God. He's going to point you to scriptures to worship God. Uh, if a demon shows up, he's going to want you to worship him. So you don't listen to that. So pretty much any time that something weird shows up and says they're an alien, they're a demon, they're, they're an angel, I mean, either you're just hallucinating, in which case, you know, don't listen to it, or else you're having some sort of a spiritual reality, in which case, read your Bible and pray more. Um, is kind of the take home from that. Um, let me collect myself and then see if I can conclude here. So we've talked about how if science ever found God, they would call him an alien because God is foreign, God is different, God is not from here. We've talked about how the universe is finite and came into being in a certain place which points to something outside of time, outside of space, outside of matter that propelled it into being. And we've talked about how a lot of people see the possibility of parallel universes as a real scientific reality and how it's at least rationally possible that God could live in a parallel universe, as well as in ours, um, what we might call the spiritual universe, um, and he manifests himself to us, he makes himself real to us, as well as other beings in that universe, in that parallel reality, that can make themselves real to us as well. Uh, and so in all these ways, I think we can we can appreciate and understand um, the realities of the Bible, uh, and translate them, in a sense, into the jargon of science fiction and the jargon of um, contemporary 
thinking. Um, would it be helpful to start talking about God as the super intelligence that, that brought all life into being, that seeded life on planet Earth, that, um, that uh, manifests himself periodically to humanity at crucial junctures to reveal kind of, well, the law code to Moses, to reveal um, love through Jesus Christ and to reveal other things to us. Um, would that be helpful? I'm not sure. It might be, it might not be. I actually use these sorts of concepts in my mind and it kind of, it, it fills a, an important void to me. It, it does, I do find it helpful. The thing that I mentioned at the top was that um, the difference between the concept of angel and the, or the concept of alien and the concept of holy, they mo both mean different and separate and not from here, but holy has a moral component. And uh, I want to read for you John 3 where Jesus is speaking with the woman um, at the well. No, it's not John 3. It's actually John 4. I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Um, so in John 4, um, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, uh, Jesus is speaking with a woman uh, who's a Samaritan woman, which is a whole other interesting thing. Um, and he's alone with this woman at a well. And he says, uh, please give me some water. And she says, hey, you're, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Uh, don't you have a full paw about talking to me? And he says... If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to me, give me a drink, you would have asked him for living water. And she doesn't understand what he means. And then he says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water I give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. So he's speaking about some sort of an eternal, uh, secret, spiritual reality that he can impart. And they have a further dialogue that you can read. And then uh, she says, well... Um, should we worship here on this mountain, which a lot of Samaritans believe that the mountain they were on, or the mountain close by, was the true place to worship Yahweh, the God of both Jews and Samaritans. And uh, Jews believe that they should only worship in Jerusalem. And so Jesus says to her in verse 21, John 4, chapter, John 4, 21, Jesus said, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So there, again, and I've quoted this a few times already, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And this is a huge component. Well, this is a component where um, I think science fiction and the lens that science fiction gives us can help us understand what it could mean for there to be a parallel dimension that is a spiritual dimension that uh, we can perceive sometimes, but usually it's imperceptible to us. But when we die, we will cross over to that spiritual dimension, and that's going to be our eternal home. Um, but those who worship the Father must worship in spirit and in truth. There, we must be in a right relationship with God. And this is kind of the point of everything. This is the point of all of, of God's um, intersections with, with uh, humanity and all of his meddling with time, as Doctor Who did, you know, changing something here, mellifying something there, incarnating his son into human history to, to change radically all of human history after that, plugging people into history at the right times at the right places to to change world events so that it works out in a certain way 
Why? So that we can worship God in spirit and in truth. Because the spiritual dimension is a dimension, according to the scriptures, where the moral component is the thing that matters the most. And usually in science fiction, the moral component doesn't really matter. You can be a good person or a bad person, and you can still go to this spiritual dimension. In scriptures, what it reveals to us is that who you are inside, um, the, your heart, the, the character, the, the goodness you carry with you inside, is going to determine uh, an awful lot about what, where you're going to end up in the spiritual dimension when you pass over to the next, to the other side. And that is why God incarnated His Son, Jesus Christ, why He died on the cross for you, and why He paid for your sins with His blood. And this is why, um, because ultimately, God is absolute truth. He is absolute perfection. He is the perfect judge. And nobody can pass that test. Um, all are sinners, it says in, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's glory is a brilliant, radiant light, and that's why He shields Himself from us uh, in this reality, so He doesn't He doesn't destroy us. And through Jesus Christ, um, it says again in in, in Romans six twenty three, Romans is a book in the Bible that you'll find near the end, um, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And a verse that you're very familiar with, or is often recited, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So, God sent His Son into the world to save the world. Uh, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, so that we would all be saved through Him. And Romans 5.8 says, and this, uh, this is how God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, while we were morally offensive to God because God was holy and we were sinful, God didn't judge us, but He died for us to make a way of salvation for us. And um, if, if this is a point where, where you're not sure if you're right with God, if you're good with God, um, you don't have to wait. You can, uh, you can make it right right now through Jesus Christ because all the work has been done. Uh, it's just taking hold of that and accepting that. And Romans eight thirty-eight to 39 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Christ, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so right now, all you need to do is just say, I believe that Jesus is God, and God raised Him from the dead. And, you know, He died to save me from my sins. Boom. You're in. Um, and go and find out what it means to be a Christian. Um, start living as a Christian, find a church, and, uh, and, and start living out the new reality that you find yourself in. So anyways, um, didn't actually mean to end that way, but uh, if you have more questions, please uh, you know, text me or, or leave a comment on my blog. Um, and uh, that is about all I want to say and a little bit more about uh, aliens and uh, is it possible that God is an alien and that science fiction can be a window into the truth of God. So, hope you enjoyed it and I uh, hope you keep listening to my blog, my podcast, I mean. Have a good day. Bye.